Hi, this is Rachel Hine and Hannah Langdell, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a Duke Plastic Surgery podcast. This is a lecture series designed to aid in preparation for a yearly in-service examination. Our goal is to take you through high-yield topics along with experts in their respective fields in order to maximize your knowledge and potential scores. Stay tuned after this podcast for a brief message from our sponsors. Today, we'll be continuing our quick hits lecture series on hemangiomas. Remember, this is high-yield topics only taken from the last five to eight years of the in-service. In addition, please check out www.theresidentreview.com for outlines and study guides to go along with our lectures. Hannah, why don't you get us started on hemangiomas? Great. So we'll start with congenital vascular malformations. So the first type to be aware of is a non-involuting congenital hemangioma. And this is a rare form of hemangioma that is present at birth, stable over time, and often has a white-gray rim. And one of the clues in this stem will be that this stains negative for GLUT1. As opposed to congenital or infantile hemangiomas, and these present between two weeks and two months of life, have a rapid proliferation during the first nine months, and then gradual involution until about three and a half years old. They often have a herald patch within with rapid growth, and this is the most distinguishable factor that differentiates it from a vascular malformation. They have slow regression. They are more common in girls and premature infants. They can be in the parotid gland or the liver, uh, but involvement in the nervous system is rare. Parotid tumor infantile hemangiomas are frequently wrapped in the facial nerve and very difficult to completely resect, and so it's appropriate to observe these. The liver is the most common extracutaneous site, and then propranolol is the first-line choice for hemangioma treatment. However, observation is appropriate for small, non-changing lesions and not in cosmetic areas. Uh, remember that laser and oral steroids do not work well for hemangiomas. And we're often tested on the adverse effects of propranolol, and these include lethargy, hypotension, hypoglycemia, and bradycardia. For an intramuscular hemangioma, the first line is propranolol or steroids, and then it's appropriate to excise these. Surgical excision is the definitive treatment for lip hemangiomas, and propranolol is a good choice for the proliferative phase. Rachel, do you want to take us through vascular malformations? Sure. Thanks, Hannah. So vascular malformations are structural abnormalities of the capillary venous lymphatic or arterial systems that grows in proportion to the child, as opposed to a vasoproliferative neoplasm that has increased endothelial cell turnover and proliferation like the congenital hemangiomas. Remember that the AV malformations have a or thrill, and they can be associated with high output cardiac failure, such as in Parks-Weber syndrome, which we'll talk about. Ulceration of an AV malformation is associated with increased risk of recurrence, and you can treat this with embolization and resection. A lymphatic malformation is aberrant formation of lymphatic vessels. It is a slow flow lesion. And remember that macrocystic lymphatic malformations can be treated with sclerotherapy. Microcystic lesions often have to be resected, and the most common location for these malformations are in the neck and axilla area. Venous malformations will present with a bluish hue. It's present at birth and do not resolve over time. And the symptoms are exacerbated by dependency. And these can also be treated with sclerotherapy and then excision. Hannah, why don't you finish us up with some <laughs> other stuff? <laughs> uh, we are often tested on caposiform hemangioendothelioma. And this is a hemangiomas or diffuse hemangiomatosis. This is a malignant vascular tumor, which is often associated with 
Kassebach Merritt syndrome, and this starts in infancy and can be in the trunk and extremities. The skin overlying this lesion is deep purple red, tense, and shiny. Kassebach Merritt phenomenon is when you have bruising, thrombocytopenia, and bleeding, and you treat this with vincristine or rapamycin. For pathologic arterial dilations, pseudoaneurysms typically result from external or internal insult that causes rupture of the endothelium and bleeding. And importantly, as opposed to a true aneurysm, these do not involve all layers. Whereas a true aneurysm is an endothelial lined widening of an artery that has all three layers of the vessel lining involved, and they are fusiform in appearance. In Kawasaki's disease, you have true aneurysms, which are again fusiform and dilated, and they are caused by arteriosclerosis. And we'll go over a few syndromes that were tested on. So Mafuchi syndrome, you'll see venous malformations and endochondromas, and you can have malignant chondrosarcomas and intracranial tumors. And there is a risk for pathologic fractures with Mafuchi syndrome. Sturge-Weber, you'll have facial capillary malformations, port wine stains in V1 or V2 distribution, and vascular malformations on the ipsilateral side, as well as seizure disorders. And you'll see dark purple cobblestoning of the cheek is a port wine stain. Clipal trenuinae, you'll have patchy port wine stains, hemihypertrophy of a lower extremity, and lymphatic venous malformations. This is associated with limb length discrepancies. Parts Weber is like clipal trenuinae, but with AV malformations, and there is a risk of high output cardiac failure. And then finally, we have Oslo Weber Rindu, which is hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasias. This is autosomal dominant and emerges later in life in the hands, feet, and nails. And then finally, one miscellaneous fact, the maximum defect that can be primarily closed in the scalp is seven centimeters. Well, thank you, Rachel, for leaving me with all of those fun syndromes to pronounce. I hope everyone knows what we were talking about. Thank you, guys. We would like to thank Allergan for their continued support of our podcast. Allergan Aesthetics is now a part of AbbVie, an international leader in many different therapeutic categories. Many of the topics and therapies we discuss on our podcast are provided by Allergan. They continue to be a leader in the fields of breast reconstruction, abdominal wall reconstruction, medical aesthetics, and much more. Additionally, they are dedicated to supporting the education of plastic surgery residents and plastic surgeons across the country.